Welcome to Dram Talk, your new mates on your journey into the world of whiskey. I'm Brad. And I'm Daniel. And today we'll be looking at Ardbeg Scorch, the committee release. Right. So, Daniel, what have we been up to lately? Yeah, so I guess um, before we get into this dram, we've just poured them. So we'll let them sit out for a bit. Um, already getting that kind of intense, peaty smoky smell coming up from it yeah the the, the char's filling the room i love it yep yep uh, it's making my mouth water now but i think we'll we'll try and maintain some kind of self-control and um have a bit of a chat before we get into the dram so i guess like the most exciting thing we've been up to recently was we attended a whiskey event called whiskey live so that was in sydney and how would you describe it brad i think it was kind of like a whiskey conference in a way it was like in this big auditorium room at Randwick Racecourse and there was like a whole bunch of distilleries had set up um like a variety of different stalls and so you could just walk around to each of them and they gave you free samples of the whiskey yeah I mean it was a really good experience we got to we got to sample some great Australian whiskey as well and see what they were doing and really innovating in some areas that we're not really seeing globally. So that's really great to see, like from a local point of view. And we still got to try some whiskeys that we we really haven't normally, I guess, given much thought to. And as all, we got to try some that we, that we do love and we know we love. In terms of that, it was a great experience. It was well worth the money. And I mean, we got to try Octomore. We went there first. <laughs> Probably not yeah. the mo- the wisest of moves. Um but hey, that's what the water's for, just to reset probably a couple of glasses of that. And then we were good to go everywhere yeah, else. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't really not head straight for a peated whiskey. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we didn't, we didn't record there. Um, one, because, you know, I think we made a decision to really be in the moment and enjoy the evening and not because I forgot to bring an SD card for the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more the former, not the latter. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, and we did. We it's for the same reason. We kind of didn't really do much on Instagram or like really log our time there. It was mainly just there was so much going on, and we had so many interesting conversations with a lot of the people at the stalls. Brad was saying primarily around like local distillers there that we were just kind of caught up in the moment so much. So I think that's why. Yeah. We'll give like kind of a brief run through now. Um, yeah, like and, and just like to, tried. yeah, sorry, just to add on that as well. It's just we we were really engaged in conversations with them, and and unfortunately, a lot of those conversations did drag on, and mm-hmm. we missed the food numerous times <laughs> because <Yep. laughs> we were so engaged in whiskey conversation. But that's what we were there mm-hmm. for anyway. So it was really, really yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a great time. And it was about like, yeah, savoring those moments between people who shared an equal passion for whiskey. So it was really about just like what we were getting from that like face-to-face engagement. And that's one of the things we love about this. And I think we've mentioned it before is that, you know, it's just a great community. Yeah. Just going on to some standouts for us. Um, for me particularly, I, um, I re- from, from the Australian distilleries, I really enjoyed 78. That was yeah. that was really really good, and I'm thinking of the wider industry as a whole, particularly the Scotch. I really was surprised by Highland Park 
from the expressions that we tried there, we, we passed on the 10 because that is readily available in Australia and at a very, very affordable price as well. So we did pass on that. Um, we started in at the 12, then we went on to the 18. And the then we had the Volfather. Wait, no, 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 sorry. It was the 12, then the Volfather. Then we were, then we were treated to the 18 <laughs> because that bottle was under the table. So that, yeah, the 18 was very, very good. Yeah. It was like the 12 amplified. Yeah. So the, um, Highland Park is a, from Orkney. They're a sherry, mm-hmm. the 18 year old is a sherry expression. And oh man, it was good. It was bloody good. And the Volfather as well is like they're peated. Or their most peated whiskey anyway. And of course, you already know, Daniel and I were going to love that. And that was great. Yeah. Um, And I think like Highland Park's kind of peat levels of their whiskey sits around, I guess, like the Talisker level. And so to some degree, it was a little bit reminiscent of Talisker. It kind of had a little bit of a that island coastal bite to it, um, which, you know, we absolutely loved. I know probably one of the biggest treats for me was the Lafroig 25. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. That was really, that really was, good. That was such a kind of good thing. We, we had a brief moment where we were able to get some food and we're like, okay, let's, let's finally have a chance to take a breath and eat something. And then we heard like last call for the Lafroig masterclass. And so we just like legged it around the auditorium and then went into the room and we, we discovered that they were going to be trying the Lafroy 25. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah. And Lafroy 25, you can never get a, get your hands on a dram of that. Do yourself a favor and do it. It's bloody good. It, it, yeah, it's next level. It's just, there, there is, <laughs> it's struggling so much to come up with words for how much I enjoyed that. <laughs> So I guess that leads us on to um, our next kind of segment here is you actually bought a bottle of the Volfather. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Volfather. It was something that it just didn't leave my mind the whole night. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, I just thought to myself, you know, I, I don't think I can leave here without taking a whole bottle of this home with me because it's just stuck in my mind for whatever reason. And I just kept going back to it. So it, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it and it left an impression on me. So I went out, bought a bottle and I bought a bottle of Ugdal as well. Because why not? <laughs> exactly. And they, they did have it as like a reasonable price, like a good 10 to 20 plus dollars cheaper than what you'd find yeah. at online or at a bottle shop. Um, and I got a bottle of the um, Octomore 11.1. I mean, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure, sh- I, I, I knew I was leaving with an Octomore. And they only had the 11.1 and the 10.3. And while the 10.3 was really good, um, and in case anyone doesn't really know too much about Octomores, um, 11.1, like the point ones, they're always made from um, barley grown on mainland of Scotland. And then I'm pretty sure they are aged in um, American oak casks. And then the point threes are barley grown on Isla, um, like on the farm there at um, Brooklady. And they're aged in European casks or a mix of European and American casks. And the 11.2 is just European casks, but with barley made from grown on the mainland of Scotland. So I would have loved like 
8.3 and I've heard good things about the 11.3 but I think I, I left with the 11.1 because it was it was just really good yeah equally satisfied um I when we tried the two octomores I did I guess I would say my palette was more inclined to the 10.3 mm-hmm. but it was such a small it was such a small I guess discrepancy in how much I liked it that it could have gone either way yeah and i think that was the kind of determining factor like i agree with you like there was there were parts of both of them that i liked to an equal extent um but then when it came to looking at the price the 10.3 was some 50 dollars more than the 11.1 and i was like i don't think i enjoyed it 50 dollars more so that that was ultimately one of the main factors in my decision making there um but you know super happy to finally own a bottle of an Octomore being such big lovers of Pete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even for me, like my intentions were to fully leave whiskey live with a purchase of an Octomore, but mm-hmm. Highland park had other ideas. So <laughs> yeah. And that's completely fair. Cause like I, that was a bottle like that Volfather. I, I was like you as well. So kind of caught up with how much I enjoyed that. Yeah. And then when I saw it, the a reasonable price, like what was it, one one thirty five? Yeah, it was like one thirty five or one forty. Yeah, yeah, like that was it's such a decent price. I'm like, I, I could get a bottle, but then when you were saying that you were going to get a bottle of it, I was like, cool. I don't have to worry about that because Brad's got it, so I can just mooch off him. <laughs> yeah, and of course, seeing um, Ugdal at a very affordable price as well, that was a no kind of a no brainer for me. So mm-hmm. yeah. And I already know Love Ardbeg, so what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, to some extent, a little bit of impulse purchases, but we're always going to buy bottles from there. So um, it was just more which ones are going to surprise us on the day. And I guess Volfather was the biggest one. Yeah, that, that, that definitely was the standout. I think, like you mentioned as well, like for yourself, you did say that you were a bit taken aback as well by our experience at Highland Park. Yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe because we got to try the 18 year old, which was under the table. So it wasn't really available for everyone else to taste, but I don't know <laughs> if that, <laughs> if we felt a little special. So I don't know if that was a deciding factor there, but the, yeah, this, our time at the Highland Park store was really good. Had great conversation and yeah, absolutely. And of course you can see walked away with a bottle of Warfather. So you can <laughs> kind of see, the, yeah, you can see the impression that that left on us. Um, we also got to try some rye whiskey as well. Great stuff. Yeah. But overall, in terms of our experience at the um, at Whiskey Live, it was very, very enjoyable. I would definitely recommend it. Um, and mm-hmm. just whiskey events like that in general are just such a great way to engage in the community, speak to people from the distillery, or even if it's just their brand ambassadors or whatever. It's still people that have a passion for whiskey, people that share what you enjoy, people that still have knowledge mm-hmm. to impart and share. And at the same time, you're going to get to try some really, really great whiskey and whiskey that you probably normally can't get your hands on, right? Because I don't know yeah. when I'll, when I'm ever going to get to try Lafroy 25 again, if ever. Oh, absolutely. Like one day soon, Brad, when this, when this really takes off, yeah. <laughs> we can buy whiskey for, for, for research sake, of course. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, if Lafroy want to send us, a dram or oh, two. yeah, yeah, we'd be we'd be happy to accept a <laughs> couple of drams from Lafroy Twenty Five, you know, so we can properly review it on the podcast, give it the attention it deserves. <laughs> yeah, but 
yeah, just to sum it up, such a great experience. Um, of course, I'm sure the um, event was feeling impacts of COVID. It, um, from speaking to people there, people did mention that the previous Whiskey Live was a lot bigger and there were a lot more distilleries right. and distilleries present. But um, of course, everyone did the best they could and there was still quite a lot on show. So overall mm-hmm. though, being our first, I guess, Whiskey convention so to say it's um such a great time yeah and it was very fast paced as well like it's not one of the ones where you sit down at a table and you methodically work your way through it's like all on your feet you're traveling from stall to stall just you get like small samples i feel i think they're about 15 mil um, yeah which you know you wouldn't really want any more because you need to be able to try a lot of different ones and you want to be somewhat lucid as you progress through the evening so it was like a three-hour window we had to try a whole bunch of different ones which sounded like a long time to begin with but it really wasn't like there was so many we didn't make it to that we would have really loved to and some that I've like kind of heard about like since then and I'm like I saw that stall at Whiskey Live should have gone there um yeah like I think OCD was one of them obsessive compulsive disorder give me, give me <laughs> Otter Craft Distilling. So that's another Australian distiller. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, just started Siri talking. <laughs> yes, it's called Otter Craft Distiller. Okay, um, I, I don't remember seeing them there. Were they there? Yeah, they were there. They were kind of, we didn't see them because we basically ran straight past them on our way to Brooklady. Ah, okay. Makes sense. <laughs> um yes yeah, so they specialize in premium whiskey and vodka oh, okay yeah i i don't recall seeing them but yeah of course we were i guess a little bit of the blinders on for brook yep. so yeah that was that was the first protocol like always next year yeah of course um yeah and i guess like the uh, only other things that have really been going on is um i mean like any kind of long I say long time, we haven't been going for a year, but any listeners who have been with us from the start would know that we did speak at one point about doing like a whiskey tin where we could contribute like tokens or money if we did something on the podcast that was kind of a whiskey sin and we would use that to then buy bottles for the show. That kind of fell by the wayside, mainly because I think we just got extra cautious yeah. <laughs> with what we were doing in our recordings and um, then we're also recording remotely, but we have like purchased a joint bottle. Um, It's the Starwood ginger beer cask. So Starwood for our international listeners is an Australian distillery and they usually do, I think it's a yearly release. So this is number six. six. Yeah. Batch six. Yeah. Um, So this one was finished for six months in ginger beer casks. So we won't spoil too much now. We'll probably do an episode on that shortly. But um, yeah, some kind of interesting bottlings. And then the other newest addition to our collection is the one we'll be reviewing today, Scorch. Yeah, that's probably the perfect segue. Alrighty, let's get into it. Righty, so Hardbeck Scorch, the committee release. So yeah, this was bottled to celebrate Ardbeg Day um, 2021. 
and it was inspired by Warehouse 3's Flavor Breathing Dragon. Mm. Now, there's a whole story here around this dragon and the history of the bottling. And like, I mean, Ardbeg is like a distillery with storytelling in its heart. So you'll notice with any kind of new releases or committee releases, they have this whole big narrative around it. And Wait, I like we could... So, so dragons aren't real? <laughs> so, so this isn't this, this isn't real. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um no, they they most certainly are. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately not. Um now as I said, there was there's a whole story around this one. Wait, so smog think... smog was 3D? He wasn't a real dragon? <laughs> I mean, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that was based on a true story, <laughs> but they're, they're not around today. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you finish now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I was basically just kind of, there is a big narrative around this dragon that has charred these casks, but I think Ardbeg does storytelling better than we can, so we'll leave the rest of this narrative to you if you wanted to look up. Um, and I think it's actually probably... A really good thing to do both if you've got a bottle of scorch is go to like Ardbeg Day on their website and you'll have like a um interactive map where you can watch a whole bunch of videos and it just really sets the mood for getting into this kind of bottling um because they, they as i said they are like they've got storytelling at their heart and they they really go all out for it like the whole nine yards for kind of i guess putting you in the the space to enjoy the whiskey uh but for this bottle itself so it was matured in their most heavily charred ex-bourbon casks right so these yep. are like casks that have been charred to the absolute max like to the point where they had bits of charcoal like floating around in the whiskey um i don't think you'll get any in your bottles so i'm pretty sure they do strain that out before they send it out but you know you just you're in for a really big smoky whiskey here yeah and going back to i guess the last time ardbeg did use these charred ex-bourbon casks we'd be looking at alligator which was another committee release yeah so they call it alligator because like when they char the casks inside like the way the wood burns it kind of looks like alligator scales and so i guess like the going dragon scales for this one because of how like heavily they've charred it now i think we have spoken about this previously with regards to casks that like an oak barrel will hold whiskey in it or hold any liquid in it really for a long time but unless you like heat treat it um you're not going to get much flavor so that's why these casks are charred both to allow access for the liquid to get into the wood it's like a gateway for it and it also kind of crystallizes the sugars inside so it imparts a lot of the flavor like natural flavors from the woods um, in addition to whatever else has been in the casks previously. Now, I think to kind of preface where we're going to be going with this one is charcoal, like, acts as a natural filter. So it can kind of help filter out a lot of the kind of impurities in the liquid as well as in the wood. Um, but also when you, like, massively heavily char it, you're going to get a lot of those smoke key characteristics but there's i think what we might find is there'll be a little bit of those additional flavors mainly from the bourbon that we won't really get so much just because of how far that will be filtered so we won't get a lot of influence from what has been previously in the casks 
Um, but, you know, I think they're going to more than make up for that with the level of smoke. Yeah. But I think um, before we jump into it, just one last thing, because um, I have just got to listen a question. They want to know what Ardbeg Day is. Like we've spoken a lot about it, but what actually is it? So many people would know if you're fans of whiskey, which I would presume you are listening to our podcast um, and have been around social media kind of end of May, you'd know that the Isla Festival or Fest Il took place, which is like a 10-day festival that celebrates kind of all things whiskey, but predominantly Isla whiskies. And usually a distillery gets their own day where they're kind of highlighted highlighted and celebrated. And June 5 was Ardbeg Day. So more often than not, but I know Ardbeg has really capitalized on this, is they have a yearly release that comes out on Ardbeg Day. So it usually is preceded by a committee release of that same bottle, but coming out at cask strength. So that's the one we've got here. Um, for any other listeners who either got onto the bottle on Ardbeg Day or have purchased it since from select retailers, you would have the one that comes in like this really cool box with a fun design on it. Um, the committee release doesn't come with a box, unfortunately, but it's, it's got a cool label that's slightly burnt as well, which does still kind of draw you into this setting they want to communicate yeah and in terms of like a previous release for us would be black and black we have we have the bottle of the Ardbeg day release not the committee release so yeah kind of switch it around this year we've got the committee release this time around yeah so coming in at cast strength it's 51.7 percent and like all Ardbegs, it's non-chill filtered there's no age statement on this but i think even looking at the color of this one um, I mean, I'm like comparing it to, from memory now, because I don't have it in front of me, Ardbeg 10 and Wee Beastie, they're both very light. However, this one's a little darker. And I want to say it's probably come from like the heavily burnt insides of the casks they've been aged in. Yeah, I think you're being a bit like, I think it's more than a little darker than Ardbeg 10. Ardbeg 10. It's, it's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Ardbeg 10 is like straw. This is yep. almost deep brass, like the handle of a sword. You know, get into oh, the get yeah, into the narrative. Get into the narrative, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Being a little bit too analytical there. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot darker. Something you don't typically see from Ardbeg when you're looking at the five and the ten. But I mean, yeah, you love to see some color in whiskey, right? You do. I mean, like that's, that's not the the end like the beginning and end of it it is it is a part of it and it's like usually it's kind of why we prefer natural color because then you kind of have an idea of what you're going in for because <laughs> we do usually associate like a lighter flavor with more of those bourbon notes and then you go to the darker flavors for a more kind of heavy sherry syrupy note yeah so starting on the nose on the scorch here I think it's very, very interesting because now as I've, we've allowed it to kind of breathe in the glass, give it a bit of time, um, comparing to my first um, experience with this, um, it's a lot drier on the nose and I'm not getting as much as the oil of the oil coming through. And what's really interesting to me is 
the smokiness that you are you're expecting from this extremely dragon charred cask isn't really too present on the nose what i'm finding is i'm really being enveloped by more of a maritime character yeah interesting now, I think like there are a couple of factors here. I mean, like, cause like every time I pop this bottle open and by every time, I mean like the three times I have opened it, um, the first thing that does hit me is this smoke. So it is still undoubtedly there. I just think when you leave it in the glass to open up, you get a lot of the kind of more subtle underlying notes come to the forefront as the kind of really dominant smoke distributes throughout the glass in the room because it is still undoubtedly smoky, but you are right. There is a lot more that is coming out now upon bringing it up to the nose. And I'm, I'm finding a lot more, like, it's weird. It's like in the fragrance section. So there's still very kind of outdoor natural smells. You're getting like tree notes. I don't know, like herby tree notes. Like I'm getting a little bit of pine resin which i picked up in the wee beastie as well i think that's a similar note i just want to say there's something almost floral as well and i think that i would be to a like a lavender um it's not like an overwhelming lavender smell but that's kind of what i'm picking out yeah it's, it's a very very interesting nose when you've given it time to really breathe in the glass um, like I mentioned before, going back to my first experience with it, I didn't really give it too much time because I just really wanted to get into the glass itself. Being an Ardbeg committee release, I just wanted to jump in. And with that, I, all I was really getting off the nose was that extreme smoke and a real sense of an oily characteristic. But now seeing the real character of the bottle when you give it some time, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. But there is still this smoke that, dominates through everything should we get onto the palette yeah let's get onto it now one of the first things i noticed was weird i like took a drink of it and it felt like fire crackling over my t- reminiscent of like a crackling fireplace so that was really enjoyable but there is a very sooty smoke to it yeah if that makes sense it feels like old chimney a fireplace that has long since cooled down and dried out but there's still like that soot that coats everything yeah i do get the smokiness on the palate and definitely what i really enjoy is that that smokiness is very quickly followed by a briny note Mm -hmm. and it's still oily as well so it's really coating your palate and what i'm finding is what I'm left with on the finish is a real medicinal note as well. So I'm getting like a little bit of iodine, not too much, but it's really, it's a really satisfying dram. It's interesting as well to see the, I guess the heat of the alcohol come across when typically, I mean, this is only 51.7%. So it's not overtly strong. Only. Oh no, I'm like, <laughs> trying to put it in a sense of yeah i guess where i'm at with drinking whiskey where i can where i know i'm well into the 60 percent that i'm fine and can handle that so seeing something at 51.7 percent come across and still display such a satisfying heat from the spirit that's yeah. it's it's really great and a testament to the 
to the guys at Ardbeck? Yeah, I find the finish for me is more like an aniseed, so like that licorice note, but not super strong and, I don't know if it's the right word, but chemically, more like you'd find in like a licorice lolly or a licorice lozenge or something, but it's more like the the herb, the aniseed or anise. Um, and then kind of like simultaneous to that, I'm also getting a like black coffee shortly followed by a peppermint. So it's like drinking black coffee and then you chuck in a mint to freshen your breath. It's that kind of mixture between like the bittery note of the coffee as well as the, what you call it, medicinal note of the mint. Yeah. And I think what's really, I guess, what really typifies this smoke for me as well, and upon this being my second try of the Scorch, is that it's a very sweet smoke, something that you don't really, I guess, something that you don't typically get from Ardbeg, where it's, you're more typically seeing something more savory. I'm really seeing a sweeter smoke here. It's almost like a honeyed smoke. And I guess just to dwell on the finish a little more, um, the notes from Ardbeg, they do say that it's a finish that will drag on, indicating a long, lengthy finish. Um, unfortunately for myself, I don't really get that experience. For me, it's, I'm finding it's more of a short to medium as opposed to a long finish. Yeah, I would call it a medium finish. I think I've still got that smoky note as well as that kind of back of the throat peppermint um, sticking with me for a little bit, but it's not like a crazy, like I've had longer finishes in whiskeys and part of me isn't sure how much this has to do with the cask and the aging um, or even the charring because, you know, a lot of the ones that have really stuck in our minds as really big, long finishes are the ones that have been aged in sherry casks. And so we're usually drawing that to like, a fortified wine, which is very syrupy and sticky. So it does have that kind of mouth coating sweetness that does like go on for days. And this doesn't have that, whether it, as we said, whether it's coming from like a bourbon cask or coming from the heavily charring of the cask, lowering those kind of intake of other things that might have previously been stored on the surface inside from previous agings. Um, that's that's a question for distillers and people who know a little bit more about how they chemically interact than I do. Yeah. Um, I just had another sip from the glass. And what I find as well is if you really dwell on it and you let it sit there, you really can almost taste the charcoal from the barrel. Mm-hmm. That's yep. It's really great. Yeah, 100% agree. That is one of the things I do really love about this is how I'm getting that kind of really smoky sooty peat over the earthy vegetal peat should we add a touch of water yeah i've just um chucked a couple drops in so with the addition of water the briny characteristics really do jump out of the glass now they were present before but it's almost all that's present now yeah i would 100 percent agree with you like you, you definitely get that sea spray yeah definitely getting sea spray and that sweetness is coming through on the nose too now so on the palate, the honey that I described before comes through a lot more. And funnily enough, I get more of a peaty characteristic and I still feel the presence of the maritime and the brininess there. Um, but what, I've, what I'm really surprised by is how much 
I guess how much softer the whiskey has become. Yeah. So what I, th I think I've really loved about this is it's insane how much this has changed from adding that little bit of water to now like a almost fully coastal maritime dram. Yeah. Like that perfect way to describe it because I've gone from cleaning out a chimney to now walking on a Scottish beach on a rainy day where you've got like old fishing boats sitting there and wet rope and a lot of like sea spray throwing up and the air's very full of maritime but also vegetal peaty notes. It's just really interesting to see how the water's changed it. And going back to that note of honey that I was picking up before and being a bit more prominent now, even on the nose, you can almost, it's like honeyed barbecue. I'm not getting those same kind of um, savory meaty notes from it that I have been getting from previous releases. Um, that it is, you've got that really kind of, yeah, honey glaze, maple glaze coating of food that's getting cooked off. Yeah, it's very, it's a very enticing dram. Something that you probably wouldn't, I guess, something that you wouldn't typically associate. <laughs> a dram that's been named after a dragon or a dram that's got this extensively scorched cask behind it. You wouldn't typically associate that, I guess, with something so enticing, something so inviting, just off the nose. And I think, yeah. yeah, and just to mention as well, like we have seen, I guess, some mixed reviews to Scorch. And I think that's probably coming from the expectation of expecting something that was really going to, I guess, give you a fight. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not really that type of dram or that type of whiskey that I'm finding at all. Yeah, that is a, that is a tough one. I know, I know that like those kind of opinions are very subjective, and you know, for whatever reason, people provide mixed reviews. I think some of that could come down to personal preference. Some of that could come down to price point. Some of that could come down to I don't know. Some people don't like the novelty of things because it seems to be like a marketing ploy. But yeah, like at the same time, they're a business and they need to move their product and they need to keep selling their product for us to be able to buy it and i mean like you know supply and demand and whatnot but us as a consumer we need to decide what we spend money on and how much we're willing to spend and like just for me personally i have thoroughly enjoyed this and i'm perfectly happy with the money i spent on this and i probably would again if i had the chance to buy another bottle so you know everyone's entitled to their own opinions just from my side, I think this is a very good release. I think they've done well. It is, they've done like that really good balance between offering something that carries an extra level of smoke to peated whiskeys that we often say, like we try to chase and find that kind of new hit from a peated whiskey that gives us that... Yeah, that's the stuff. This is why we love peated whiskey. And this offered that for me. Like it offered something when I opened it and I smelt it. I was like, oh yeah, in for a treat now. And it hasn't disappointed. It is just different from other ones we've tried. Yeah, it's it's a very, very interesting dram for me. Um, one that I can definitely see where some disappointment comes from where if you've been reading the tale of it and you're really into the backstory of this whiskey and you're expecting something with a big 
smirky character, you're definitely not getting that. I can see where you can be disappointed. Um, but at the same time, this is a great whiskey. I really, really do enjoy it. And it has me very, very intrigued to go out and see the Ardbeg Day release and really compare it and to see how that compares to the committee release because there's not too much disparity between their ABV here with that being at typically 46%. So if that's not a lot. There's not a lot in that. So I'd really like to see how that plays out. And what I'd really like to see as well is that, is the 46% going to be more leaning towards what we're experiencing here with the drop of water? And if that's the case, that's very, very intriguing to me. And just before I finish the dream as well, what I'm getting as well, what I'm finding is like, as I, as I keep drinking now with that water is that I'm almost getting some fruity characteristics present now. I'm getting that along the version of like a juicy lime. Yeah. Very, very interesting. The way this whiskey really changes and camouflages and moves around in the glass. Very, very good. But with that, yeah, my glass is finished. So dream in words. Do you want me to go first? Or are you yeah. going to go? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of waiting for you to go first. I do have mine though. I do have mine. Yeah. So my one, I'm a chimney sweep. I've just been like trying to unclog a chimney and, and just, you know, hit a huge chunk of soot. It's come spurting up in my face and I feel like I'm just sucking me on the chimney pipe. <laughs> hmm, pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So mine is... I've, no, yeah, I've got it. <laughs> I'm Bilbo, and I've stumbled into Smog's lair, aka Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's there whispering sweet, smoky, charcoal tales of adventures past in my ear. Love it. It's really good. Nice. Nice. Right, so rating time. All right, so Daniel, um, Arbeck Scorch, community release... Where does this sit for you? I'm going to give this one an 8.7. 8.7. That's that's pretty high. Yeah, I I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, it's it makes me sad that it's only a limited release. I think it is such an enjoyable whiskey to sip on, both because it is really smoky, and that's one of the things that I absolutely love. Like it's one of my favorite characteristics of peated whiskies is when you can find ones that do a really good expression of smoke. Like, I'm all there. I love smoked things. <laughs> smoked cheese, smoked meats. Like, just, yeah. It is It is a really good flavor. And what about you, Brad? Uh, so this is this one's, this one's tough for me, you know? I, I don't exactly know where I really want to throw it because it's one that I can see myself growing to enjoy even more than I currently do. I mean, as you can probably tell that from my Jeremy words, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch whispering sweet nothings into your ear. So it's something... I call that a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah, it's a tough one for me to really accurately place, but I'd say it's definitely sitting in the 8.5. It's a really, really good whiskey. Uh, one that, like Daniel mentioned, very disappointed, of course, that it is only, I guess, around for a limited time. So, you know, if you can get your hands on a bottle, go out and go out and do so. And 
if you can't get a bottle, go out and have a dram of it if you can. Yeah, it's definitely something, especially for Ardbeg lovers, like to experience because there is a lot of similarity to kind of traditional Ardbeg notes in that, but it does diverge enough from that to be a have that. Like you look at Ugadal, you look at Corivrek, and uh, they they have very specific kind of characteristics that really differentiate themselves from each other and i think this is just another example of that yeah um and it's definitely one that i like i mentioned before i do want to maybe seek out a bottle of the um i beg day release really see how this one stacks up to it yeah i know when they do the committee releases like this is the same price as the standard release so i'm just like could I could I be happy spending that same amount of money on a whiskey that is a lower ABV? <laughs> but at the same time as well, you probably aren't going to find a bottle of the committee release now. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one that its rating could... I could definitely see the rating go up. It probably, mm. it probably isn't a nine whiskey, but it could touch the, the precipice of a nine. <laughs> Yep, yep. It has room to move up, and I mean, I'm I'm gonna call it. This is my winter whiskey. <laughs> so I guess for 2021. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm never gonna have another dram of that because that'll be gone by <laughs> uh, by spring. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say by Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's a very good dram. So one that I can wholeheartedly get behind. So I I can I, and I can probably say one that dram talk is definitely behind. All right. I think that about wraps it up for our episode today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it would be a huge help if you could give us a rating, um, you know, five stars if you're feeling generous. If not, still five stars, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and if you'd love to get in contact, you can reach us at Dram Talk Podcast on Instagram. You know, check out our whiskey photos and see what we've been up to. Yeah, or you can email us at dramtalk.au at gmail.com. We love to hear from you no matter what platform. Now, our glasses may be empty, but we hope yours aren't. So, if they are, pour another dram! dram!